So what are you going to tell us, tough guys? My usual. Zero. Nothing. Ladies and gentlemen, this is the Pop Culture Podcast. Tyson Popplestone here coming at you on a Tuesday afternoon. I hope you had a good start to your week. It's been good down here. I uh, just got back from four days at my mum's, which is, uh, despite being nearly 35, it, it's still a treat. I still love going down there, get a little uh, a little escape. Uh, nan duties kick in. See, we've got a one-and-a-half-year-old now, and my wife and I are pretty much on. Well, my wife is. I like to say I'm on just so I, I feel as I'm part of the team, but... The truth is, anyone who knows me, anyone who knows us, knows she does a lot of the heavy lifting. I'm there for moral support. I like to cheer for her. I like to give her like a little background tune, a little track just to keep her inspired as she's going. I like to give her, you know, one of these. She's washing the dishes, cleaning up toys, and I just go, babe, check this out. She goes, babe, come and help. I go, hey, you should appreciate what it is I'm doing for you. She goes, oi, can you put his pooey nappy in the bin? I go... Nope, not going to help you today. Didn't get married for this. Got married for your good looks and your body. She goes, hey, it's pretty disrespectful. I say, I'm a man, honey. She goes, that's misogynist. I said, I don't know who that is or what that is. But listen to the beat. She goes, just put the, the dirty nappy in the bin. I said, hey, I'm the man of this house. She goes, no, you're not. I said, hey, but don't tell my friends, okay? How can you not be inspired to clean the uh, to clean the kitchen when a little bit of Sunu rising Appalachia is playing in the background? That's the song of the week. How can that not be the song of the week? For a song that I don't actually understand what's being said, I go, I'm so inspired. I'm so unbelievably inspired by that lady that uh, I had to play it to you guys this week. What a, what a start to the podcast. I'm just joking about what I said about not helping my wife with the housework. I help out quite a lot, just in small ways that she doesn't notice. And, <laughs> well, technically that doesn't count. I clean my office from time to time, which is where I'm sitting. I clean it before the podcast starts. And she goes, hey, what have you done around the house today? I go, you want to come and see my office? She goes, sweetie, our 18-month-old has thrown shit all over the house. The only room he hasn't gone into is your office. And I said, hey, honey, that's because I'm disciplined. She goes, I need your help around here. I said, well, you've been saying that for years and it hasn't really clicked. No, <laughs> I'm joking. I'm jo- I hope I'm joking. Mind you, though, it is interesting, uh, the different gender roles in a marriage. I'm not sure. I know people don't like the idea of, of trying to stereotype a particular gender role. But for whatever reason, Jessie does fall into the stereotypical roles that a woman used to play in a marriage she cooks dinner she she cleaned more than me i think our main difference is uh, what what we do differently is i i actually can't stand clutter being serious with you now i don't i'm not a big clutter fan if there's clutter it's usually a sign that something in my mind's not right it's usually a sign that i've committed to too much cuz when i get uh, when i get a little overcommitted I, I reckon that's where the clutter picks up because i don't have time like something's got to give Something's got to give, and usually it's packing stuff away. But I've got a really bad... I don't know if it's a bad habit as much as it's just I don't notice it. But she... Uh, Jessie notices rubbish a lot, or, or just like when... What is it when your shower gets dirty and you get like a little bit of that? Is it just mold? Is that the word for it? I'm sure she wouldn't be happy for me telling the pop culture listeners that there's mold in our shower. There's not, because she cleans it up. But if there was, I wouldn't, I wouldn't notice it. 
I remember the uh, the reason I know we're going to make it as a married couple is because she stuck with me through 2010 when I was living at an all-boys house here in Footscray in Victoria. There was four of us boys, five uh, by the time a couple of our mates stayed around. Honestly, it was. I look back at that time and I go, "How did we survive?" There was, I don't, you know, when you're a teen. Yeah, well, we weren't teenagers. I was, what was I in 2010? 23. I was living like a teenager though. I was living like a teenager and uh, five boys. There was there was dirty plates stacked up on the side of the bench. We haven't vacuumed. Uh, the toilet didn't flush properly. Flush, what, <laughs> flush properly. That's a difficult word to say. So there was always a four-day-old nugget sitting in the toilet that no one wanted to confess to it being. It wasn't mine, though, because I never used that toilet. I used the upstairs one. Flushed every time. But the problem with the upstairs one was there was a hand towel right next to the toilet. And I wasn't... I don't know how often we cleaned that toilet, but... I remember I had a chat with one of my housemates, Jocker. I said, hey, don't use that hand towel because I reckon there has to be poo particles on it. You can't not have a toilet right next to a hand towel that hasn't been washed for, I'm going to guess, months and not have poo particles on a hand towel. You know it's a problem because you wipe, you you know, you wash your hands, you wipe your hands on the towel, they come out brown. You got your housemate's nuggets under your finger. That's a joke. What a disgusting image that was. But we don't muck around. This is what the thing is on a Tuesday afternoon. We come out with the real <clears throat> the real stories. I say we. It's just me. I'm sitting in the back room of my house uh, just telling you stories. But what is it right now? It's it's 3.53. Starting a little bit later today, I, I actually just went out to clear my head a bit before. I went for a walk 15 minutes just up along the beach. And, man, I hadn't been outside much today because I was just getting a few things done around the house. And I got out there. And it's blowing a gale outside today. Oh, you can see the jumper. Uh, autumn, It's. I was going to say it's come early, but it's right on time. It's the 8th of March, eight days into autumn. Usually summer hangs around a little bit, though. So I thought maybe we had a couple of weeks left of sunshine. Apparently apparently today's the last bad day. In, well, if you call windy and rainy bad. But man, there was boats out there on the water still. And uh, You've got to be keen going out on Port Phillip Bay today because there was there was some serious waves. I was walking along the beach just feeling uh, feeling seasick. You know that's a you know that's a drama. I was honestly looking out there and I'm like, man, I'm so glad I'm not a fisherman today because some of the boats they were just they were I get I get seasick on water that is dead calm. It's quite embarrassing. I can't. Uh, I've told you about this before. I can't go surfing in choppy conditions. I can't go on a boat even in mild conditions. I can't even use a waterbed without taking a couple of Quells tablets. You know you're in trouble when the uh, when the waterbed you go to, to to try and get your your late night rest is uh, is is causing you seasickness. You can't get in there unless you've taken your seasick tablets. You know every time Jesse rolls over, you feel a little bit queasy. I've got a horizon drawn onto my bedroom wall just so I've got something to look at to keep me stable. Which is a ridiculous theory, by the way. So many people want to tell you when you feel sick, just look out at the horizon. The horizon when you're when you're sick on a boat is remember when you're a kid and you get a pencil and you sort of wiggle it slowly, like you do this with it. I've got a pen. Look at this. So you do this and it looks like the pen's wobbly. Look at that. That's what a horizon looks like when you're seasick in a waterbed. It doesn't matter how straight the line on your wall is. If you're seasick, if you haven't taken your seasick tablets, your wife rolls over. Causes a couple of waves. Ripples, I'll say. She's not overweight yet. She's only one month pregnant. Three months pregnant, technically. 12 weeks, that's gone quick. It doesn't matter, though, because uh, because the horizon looks like that wiggle, wiggly pen. I just get more queasy. I get angry when people say that as well. I remember going out to the Great Barrier Reef one day, and uh, I was so sick. I thought we were going out on a massive jet boat. 
Is that the name of it? A jet boat, more like a ship. I thought we were going out on a ship-style boat where, you know, the waves wouldn't even be noticeable. You see a couple of big ships coming in through here each day, and you go, well, I think on that particular boat, if the even if the water came in, uh, you know, at some fairly higher levels, you're not going to get rocked around too much because just the substance of that boat's not going to take it. You know what I mean? You're rock solid, r relatively, relatively rock solid, as, as rock solid as you can be in a boat. Um, but when you're on a little boat, oh my gosh, every single little ripple just seems to to turn your stomach upside down. If you're me, if you're the biggest pussy on the ocean, I got so many, uh, I got so many pirate tattoos, so many sailor tattoos. But the truth is, you put me on the water on anything but my feet even sometimes i go out there lay on my back in some choppy conditions i go oh that's enough this is doing no good for anybody i come back in say to jesse i need a bucket she says you're an embarrassment we've lived at the beach now for a little over 12 months and you still feel seasick just going for a paddle i go hey i didn't ask for any judgment all i asked for was a cuddle and some comfort she said you're not going to get that from me little sailor boy i said don't use the word sailor boy ironically I'm doing my best here. I'm doing the best I can just to be able to, to navigate the circumstances. She goes, all right, you've got one chance to prove to me that you're not a little sissy boy. Prove to me that you're a little bit of a sailor. Which way is north? And I said, well, that's a trick question because there's bushes in the way. I don't know which way the sun sets. That's one thing I honestly, I get I get very uh, impressed by people who know which direction the sun sets. And Jesse knows. We'll walk along in some random town. I go, all right, come on, hero, which way is west? And she'll point in some random direction, and I'll go, okay, all right, let's check that on, on the iPhone. I take the iPhone out, and she's pointing directly towards where the west sign is. I said, lucky guess. She goes, it's not a lucky guess for, you know, over 300 times you've asked me that in the 13 years that we've been together. I said, hey, no need to be a smartass. She said, don't get personal. Don't get aggressive just because you're not a little sailor boy. Just because I married a little bitch is what she says. She goes, I married a little bitch. That's what you are. Make the bed, bitch. I said, it's really hurtful when you talk to me like that, especially because we're out with friends right now. She goes, go pay for my lunch, bitch. I said, sweetie, you got to stop calling me that. She's like, what are you going to do about it, bitch? I was like, well, nothing. I'll take it because, um, you know, it's what a man does. She's like, it's what a bitch does. I go, hey, come on. I thought we had a healthy marriage. She's like, you overthink. I get up and leave the table. I pay because I wanted to, not because she made me. Not because she called me a bitch. It's a sign of a healthy marriage. If you've been together 13 years and your wife can call you a bitch and you not get offended by it, that is a marriage is what she tells me. <laughs> what a marriage. No, we do. We've got a great marriage. I'm just joking. I'm only the bitch sometimes. You know what I mean? Only, uh, only from time to time when I can't be bothered arguing, I just make her think that I'm the bitch. Do you know what I mean? I make her think that I don't want to argue back. It's not because she's dominating me in an argument. It's because I don't want to respond. And that's what I say back to her. I go, I'm not a bitch. She goes, what are you then, bitch? I go, hey, well, first of all, the more you tell yourself that I am a bitch, the more you're going to believe it. Because whatever you tell yourself on repeat, you start to believe. And she's like, it's already been entrenched in my brain, bitch. I, I, I hey, stop it. And, uh, and then we go home. I don't talk for 40 minutes because I just got to deal with my emotions in the car. She goes home, puts the footy on. I go to bed, won't talk to her for the next day. It's weird. Our relationship's mixed. I definitely play... Uh, not not to say that generally the female is the bitch of the relationship. That's definitely not what I'm saying. But I, I am saying that generally I take the, the more female roles in our relationship. Do you know what, do you know what I mean? Like, uh, I like to be Little Spoon. Uh, 
everyone likes to be Little Spoon. I think it's fair to admit that everyone prefers Little Spoon. It's just a, a matter of whether or not you like to admit it. It's far more comfortable. Um, it's nice to have the embrace of a small, delicate woman there protecting you from the elements. Especially after I've been reading a Stephen uh, Stephen King book this week called uh, it's called Later. And it's all about a kid who sees dead people, and it's terrifying. So I'm going to be quite honest with you. I have my feet tucked right in under the doona, let my wife hold me real tight, tell me if everything's going to be fine. What I just read was not true. You know, stroke my hair as I go to bed. I go, babe, this is a sign of a good marriage. She goes, never, ever tell anyone about the fact that I do this for you. I go, sweetie, it's our little secret. She goes, it would be an embarrassment to me, but mostly an embarrassment to you. Okay, I'm never going to tell anyone apart from those I trust. So consider yourself trusted. Consider yourself on a, on a really important list of people that I've just opened up to you about my uh, my small spoon habits and the fact that I like my hair stroke. But but don't we all? It doesn't matter. I reckon if you asked The Rock and he was honest with you, he would say, you know what? I like someone to stroke my scalp and tell me I'm fine. I'm sick of playing this role of, of everyone's hero, everyone's strong man. Just, just rub the back of my head, rub the back of my bald head and tell me I'm going to be okay. I get you, The Rock. Me and you're on the same page with that kind of stuff. But... Anyway, we do have a good marriage. It's a uh, yeah, it's amazing. What's that? It's 2022. 11 years later this year. It's it's gone quite quick. It's, it's weird marriage as well because I always thought when we first got together it'd be one of those situations where it's just you just imagine marriage to be like the notebook without the death and the remarrying your best friend. I feel like it's it's just that the high emotions and everything's beautiful. A lot of it's not. A lot of it's going into the toilet and being like, "Oh, can you just make sure you press the button a couple of times because you know our toilet doesn't flush well." She's like, I haven't been to the toilet today. I go, well, mine mine don't look like that. So it had to have been yours. And I said, well, let's not get caught on details. But the truth is, there's dirty dishes. There's a cup. Every now and then you'll find a floater in the toilet. She'll sneeze and fart at the same time. You've got to move on with that. If you had told me early in our marriage that, uh, you know, my wife would sneeze and fart at the same time, I would have told you that I think I've married the wrong woman. But the truth is, she sneezes a lot and she can't control her bowels real well. So it gets messy is what I'm saying during hay fever season. My wife gets hay, fe- hay fever. I get nervous when she sneezes. I go, sweetie, just try and work on your pelvic floor a little bit. Because every time you sneeze, you know, it's, an, it's, it's slightly embarrassing to me, especially when we're around friends, especially because of the fact you always blame it on me. You sneeze and say, I just try and sneak a fart into your sneeze. I go, I just don't feel like that's a real healthy thing to do in marriage. She says, I, I, I want to argue that. I think it's quite a healthy thing to do. I think it's beautiful that you should own up to a fart that I've done in public. I said, well, that's humiliating to me. She's like, I'm not really that interested in your emotions. I say, isn't that interesting, the fact that you seem to play the man in this relationship? And there we go, as an example of the roles that we play. And as a, as a result of that, I'll keep my, uh, I'll keep my thoughts to myself. And, and you know, seven weeks later in an argument, I'll bring it up. She goes, how do you remember that? I say, that's what bitches do. You want me to be a bitch? I'll be one. She goes, it's, uh, it's not very sexy when you call yourself that. So that's a fair point. But anyway, 11 years in, we're doing pretty well. Baby number two on the way tomorrow. tomorrow well, it's not coming tomorrow, ideally, you know, unless something goes terribly wrong. She's just going to get a scan tomorrow. It's it's way too early to tell you, but, you know, it, it, it is what it is. Like, whatever happens now, I'll just, I'll just keep... This is, I think I told you a couple of weeks ago that uh, about 2017, she was four weeks pregnant. I went and told everyone about the fact that she was four weeks pregnant. And then she, uh, things fell through with that one. You know, it didn't uh, didn't go to plan. And then I didn't see someone for twelve months. They go, "How's your baby going?" I was like, "Oh, awkward." <laughs> no, it's a common thing though. 
miscarriages are a common thing. It's a, I mean, I, I laugh about it, but it's it's hard to get super emotionally connected when it's not in your body, and also, also when it's so early in the piece. But man, it can be a heavy thing sometimes. We didn't realize until until Jesse had her first miscarriage just how many how many girls have them. It's weird. I I think a lot of people keep it to themselves until they miss or until they hear about someone else who has had it. It's a it's kind of comforting, I guess, for Jesse. She heard about it and she's like, oh, okay, well, far out. I wish I had known about this earlier. Just like she wished she had known before she had Charlie that her boobs would hurt so badly for a few days after, a few months after. I had no idea what nipple trauma was until our first kid was born. I just thought boobs were a beautiful addition to the female body. And then you have a kid and you see what they're created for practically and all of a sudden you just start seeing nipples as straws. You're like, ah... I always thought they were there for me. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? I thought they were there for my motorboating skills. You know, my finger flicking skills. She doesn't like it when I flick, but sometimes I can't. I get myself all worked up, and before I know it, I'm flicking. She goes, "That's not that." Do, I don't even know how that does anything for you. I go, "Sweetie, I just see him, and I just want to start flicking." She's like, "I wish you'd stop. It's very painful, especially with the nipple trauma that's going on." I say, "Hey, honestly, I don't want to see them as straws." Stop acting like they're straws. She's like, technically, they're just little red, little red raspberry straws. Little nutrition pipes for Charlie. Little, uh, what do you call it? Little, little. You can't say cream puffs, can you? But that's that's technically what they are. I didn't realize she had mastitis when when Charlie was born. And I remember one night we were driving home from Trelgan to Melbourne, and it got that bad. She had to pull over and get her breast pump out and run into the McDonald's toilet and try and find a plug. She was sitting on the floor there with her breast pumps in. And I don't know if you've ever seen a nipple with a breast pump on it, but it's quite terrifying. It's quite terrifying. I put my nipple in a vacuum cleaner once just to see what would happen. I'm not sure they ever fully recovered because the size of my nipples are, you know, they're on the uh, they're on the larger size of, side of normal. And the only thing I can put it down to is the fact that I once placed them within a, a, a fairly strong a fairly strong commercial vacuum cleaner. It almost sucked them off, but they were strong enough to stay in there. Um, I tried to do the same thing on my old boy, but uh, unfortunately, I just got fired from my job. You can't do that on a Pizza Hut floor, is what they told me. Hey, Tyus, pull your pants up. You're at work. I said, well, I was. I just noticed that this really helped my nipples. They said, well, people are trying to eat in here. I said, well, you know, I'm I'm trying to do some self-improvement. I said, how is this self-improvement? I was like, well, the boys at footy told me it's important, you know, if you're going to get in the showers to make sure you're packing something. They said, well, this is the wrong place to do it. I said, I'm sorry. So I went behind the counter and continued. They said, Tice, that is a despicable thing. You're you're I'm telling a lot of lies on this podcast today. <laughs> I'm getting caught up in hypotheticals. And, and it's not hypotheticals as much as it's just pretend stories. I'm just I'm essentially just making up things and, and uh, entertaining myself. But that's what the Pop Culture Podcast is about. That's why we're here once a week every Tuesday. And maybe I'm acting a little more childlike today because I just went and spent four days with my mum. I went my my little boy, Jesse. We went down there and it's weird. It's funny. I'm 35 next week. And despite the fact I'm 35 next week, mothers never seem to be able to let go of the fact that you're their little boy. Like I was, I, and I get bad with it as well because, you know, she, she washes the dishes, she cooks the dinner, she cleans up after you. It's a, uh, I mean, it's a beautiful thing. It's a beautiful thing, but... I reckon it takes me about six hours getting back down to, to Trelgan, spending a couple of days with mum, and before I know it, my shoes are on, I've got mud on my feet, I forgot to wash up after myself, I don't make the bed, my dirty jocks are on the lounge room floor, and uh, and mum just cleans up after, it's weird, you just slip back into that role. 
she still believes that you're 12 years old. You still believe that you're 12 years old. It's a, it's a very strange kind of environment to find yourself in. I got in the car just before I left the other day. Mum said, Tice, your seatbelt's on crooked. I said, Mum, do you know how many times I wear this seatbelt? Okay, every time I get in this car, I put it on. And, and that's a few times a day. I've touched wood. It's worked fine so far. She's like, oh, okay, well, don't say I didn't try and help. Anyway, so I took it off and I straightened it. She said, it's still got a bend in. I go, honestly, I feel like we've got to put our attention and our focus towards towards more important things because the fact that you're getting upset about me, getting upset at me having a little bend in my seatbelt shows that we haven't really got anything serious to worry about, do we? We need to watch We need to watch more Channel 10 news, get some more serious stuff to worry about because uh, Lord knows there's plenty of opportunities to get worried. We had the Channel, Channel 10 news on when we were down there just while we were eating dinner. The news started by the end of it. I'd heard 12 people died and uh, I, I had a mild case of depression. That's what the news is designed for because outrage, it just seems to, uh, it seems to sell advertising really well, which as I get older, I'm starting to realize is, is the main job of a, uh, a news outlet, isn't it? The main job of the news outlet is just to make sure that there's plenty of eyes on screen and I don't even want to watch it, but it, it's there. I see a fire, you know, I see a lady fleeing war. I go, fire out, I can't stop watching. This is... This is riveting. Then maths comes on. I'm like, oh my gosh, what a Tuesday. <laughs> what a fantastic way to spend your evening. You go to bed and feel like you've just spent eight hours on Instagram. Your soul's been depleted of any real substance. You want to get liposuction. Liposuction. I think I just said liposuction. Liposuction because, you know, you can only see so many good-looking guys and good-looking girls with, uh, with plastic lips on maths before you go, all right. There's a little bit of work for me to get done. I can see that's true. I can see that's true. The, the wrinkles around my eyes are, uh, are quite prominent. They're getting deeper earlier than they should be. I'm, I'm nervous to see what my face looks like when I'm an older man because uh, as a 35-year-old, I've, I've started to see a couple of deep wrinkles sneaking in. I've, I've upped my collagen intake. I've really tried to improve that part of my game. I don't even know if it's true that collagen actually improves your wrinkle situation but i get i get skeptical about sunscreen as well because i know it protects you from the sun but it's also uh, i don't fully understand what's in the sunscreen and what's the long-term effects of that and if you're out in the sun every day and you're putting a body load of sunscreen on like is that good for you i don't know who knows who knows if you do know let us know i need to get a hotline to this podcast i'm going to get a hotline that you guys can call into and and i'll play your questions play your answers back to me because uh it'd be nice for for not only you to be educated through the wise words wise words of the pop culture podcast but for me to be educated i've got a habit i've realized from from words that have a d in it trying to swap it to a b i just said educated which is definitely not the word but uh I mean, it could be a it could be a mutual thing, you know. I tell you my stories, and and you educate me. You tell me where I was wrong, but it was good, despite the fact that I sort of uh, I fall into this habit of of being a sixteen year old kid or a ten year old kid. Probably more accurately describes the uh, the situation that I'm in is it's only a small element of of going to stay with mum. Every now and then, I'll I'll get a little bit cheeky as well because mum's she she's a little bit more straight laced than me. Until you get to know her, until she's had a couple of wines, if you if you don't know her, she'll be playing very straight line. And so she she does everything that she's asked to do. Beautiful woman, very friendly woman, very caring woman. She's she's I've, I've hit the jackpot in terms of mum department. But but I like to tease her sometimes because I like to I, I like to live on the edge, be a little bit naughty. And and we took Charlie to a little uh, play center there for kids on the outskirts of Tarelgan because it was pissing down with rain all weekend. So we. Uh, 
we, we took him to the play center to, to run around with a couple of the other kids and we got there. Uh, the guy at the, at the counter said, all right, guys, I just need to see your double vax before you go inside. So I showed him my pretend one. Jesse showed him her pretend one. And then uh, mum showed, showed him her legitimate one. And I said to him, I go, mate, just so you know, heads up, she's a bit dodgy. Make sure that that's a legitimate pass. <laughs> she's got a habit for sneaking around. And she's like, oh, Tyson, it's just, it's just embarrassing. Like you're an embarrassment to yourself. I go, mum, the only embarrassing thing here is you're trying to sneak in without your double vax pass. The guy's looking at me like, mate, are you serious? I go, just check it closely. So the poor bloke's 25 years old, just doing his job on 14 bucks an hour, just trying to get paid. And he's got to deal with my bloody, my cockhead attitude is the only way to describe it. Mum's embarrassed, he's confused. Me and Jesse are pissing it. That's not true. I'm pissing myself, but I like to uh, I like to present me and Jesse as a family unit. So I tell you that she was on my side. And then got outside, I'm like a 12-year-old boy once again. Mum said, Ty, I need to have a talk to you. I go, oh, no. <laughs> I'm about to get sent to my room like a little bitch. She goes, why do you do that? I said, Mum, because it's very entertaining. She's like, I've, I've never seen anyone who has a legitimate vaccine pass make the joke about someone else not having a legitimate. I go, well, that, that, that checks out. That fits. And I said, Mum, this is a... That's a cheap thrill for me. I like to see the guy sweat behind the counter. I like to see the nerves on your face. But but long story was, we all got approved. We all got accepted. Truth was, the guy behind the counter didn't care. This is what's so funny. He, <laughs> I've never had someone actually check my vaccine pass with my actual identification, oh, which is nice, which is nice. And I think it's just a sign that the truth is most people like to... Uh, and, and of course, I'm joking. Of course, I'm joking about all this. I don't have a fake vaccine pass. That's pretend. I'm mucking around. All right. In case you actually took that seriously, I want to establish the fact that that's a complete joke. That'd be irresponsible, immature, uh, and just gen just generally frowned upon in Victoria, in Melbourne, Victoria. Um, so I'd just like to clarify before I get banned from any platforms that that is a, a complete joke. And so we got inside the little play center, and uh, I get too competitive. There was one of those ball pits in there, and there was there was kids running around. They were throwing balls, and a couple of hitting the side of Charlie's head. I thought, well, I'm that I'm that hands-on dad. I go in there to have a little bit of fun with my boy to make sure that I want to make sure that we're all having a good time, that we're all that we're all entertained. I used to be a primary school teacher, so I know how to keep these kids entertained. But then every now and then, <clears throat> this little chick, Elsie, was her name. She's four years old, very cute kid, but had clearly pooed her pants. I thought, from a distance, I thought, isn't she a beautiful kid? Like, she's going to grow up into a, like, a beautiful girl. And then she walked past me and she chatted herself. I thought, oh, Elsie, you've just stuffed it. Like, how are you? You get it? It's time to grow up. She's like, I'm three years old. I was like, hey, stop, stop with the excuses. You've shat yourself, Elsie. So it was an accident. Daddy gave me too many raspberries. I said, your, your dad, your dad's an idiot. Your dad is an idiot. If he thinks he can give you raspberries and you're not going to shit yourself, she goes, you can't say that word. He said, naughty word. I said, Elsie, I'm 35 years old. All right, I own this ball pit. Technically, I could throw that many of these of these foam balls at the side of your head. You'd be unconscious for a couple of weeks. She goes, that's very mean. I think I'm going to go back to my dad now. I was like, what, the one who makes you shit yourself? She goes, yeah, that one. He's... I get too competitive because a couple of kids start throwing the balls and they whack me in the side of the head. I go, <laughs> at the start it was fun. There was a kid called Axel, which straight off is a bad sign. 
If your kid's called Axel, he may as well be called Jackson. You just know, you know things aren't going super well for a kid if their name's Axel. It just screams he's got ADD, high sugar diet. But Axel started pegging balls at the side of my head. It was just coming past and bang, just whack him, bang. <laughs> it hit me in the side. I thought, all right, have a bit of fun. You know, the kid's three years old. Don't don't take it too seriously. But then he got, he got me and Charlie in the side of the head. I was like, all right, here, listen, wanker. It's, it's hey, We're going to play that game? Let's play that game. Let's play that game. So I just started pegging him. I just started pegging him at the side of his head. Bang! Bang! One after the other. I saw him go and see in the corner, rub his eye. And, um, you know, Jesse was taking videos while we were in there. And by the end of it, you just hear Axel go, oh, stop it. That one hit me in the side of the head. It really hurts. I was like, well, get out of the ball pit, Pit, you little bitch. She goes, your wife said you're a bitch. I said, don't listen to her. She makes up stories. She goes, she seemed pretty confident. I go, hey, you know, confidence is just an act. She could have just been acting. She goes, she seemed actually dead certain. I go, Axel, I don't need to have this conversation with you. But it's good. You can't you can't be showed up in front of your, uh, or shown up in front of your little man. My, my little boy's 18 months old now. He's starting to get a bit of an understanding for, he's starting to get a bit of an understanding for when his dad's getting, getting beat up. And I thought, well, I, I can't let him see these balls whack me in the side of the head. I'm going to make a comeback. And I've never seen him so happy. He was so happy just to see that his dad could dominate Axel in a ball fight. It was it was a beautiful moment, really. So, uh, you know, we left as the victors. The Popplestone family won. Axel went home with a black eye and a sore tooth. But he had a good time. He had a good time, you know. It's all fun and games till Axel loses a tooth. And, uh, <clears throat> you know, he didn't even lose a tooth, to be fair. It was just a little bit wobbly. But it is fun. Those situations are fun. You've got to be careful with kids, though, especially with a little boy, because... I take my little guy to the pool on a, a fairly regular basis. Now, down in Gippsland, they've got a, they got a great little setup there. They just they just built over the old pool that, that had been there since about... I reckon that pool was built in, I'm going to guess, 1965. And it had been there for as long as I could remember. It had a reputation. There so many kids had knocked themselves out jumping from the diving board at the Trailgun Pool. If you look carefully, you could see teeth just floating around the bottom of the pool, little residues of blood, like band-aids from every kid from the last 25 years. It was a it was a disgusting pool. I reckon COVID, they're talking about, you know, they're talking about where COVID came from. I reckon there's a good chance it came from Trelgan Secondary Pool. Trelgan Secondary Pool? Trelgan Swimming Pool is what I was trying to is what I was trying to get to. But Trelgan's lifted its game. I mean the secondary college, which I was about to refer to, has also just been knocked down and started again. But the the swimming pool in Trelgan is it's a beautiful establishment. They've just they've covered up the old pool. There's a you know it's been well looked after, and now it's an indoor pool. They've got they got a warm pool. They have got water slides. They got a little kid pool. And I was sitting there with my boy the other day. I've got this little joke that I play, where, um, you know, I sit there and I, I want to banter with my little man. So every time a, a cute little girl goes past, so you know, I say cute little girl, tongue in cheek. I'm just saying a girl. It's a girl about his age. I'm not. I'm not genuinely making comments about the looks of these of these young girls. That, but I have a joke with my boy. Every time there's a girl around his age, I go, "Oh, Charlie, here comes your girlfriend. Oh, wow, she's so cute. She's pretty. Whoa, whoa." And Charlie's like, "Ah, Dad, you, you know, he's starting to understand what I'm doing." And the other parents have a laugh. I have a laugh. We all have a bit of a laugh. Uh, but every now and then, you've got to be careful because Charlie's at that age now where he's he can sneak off real quick. He can sneak off real quick. So the other day, we were sitting in the little swimming pool. And uh, I was I was making these jokes with him, and all of a sudden I looked around, paid attention to to somewhere. I was looking at the swimming pool, the diving board, or whatever it was, and <clears throat> forgot about the fact I was a dad and I had a kid at a swimming pool that I had to be quite careful with. Now it's not what you think. He hadn't fallen in and started drowning, but there was a little girl around his age that was a prime candidate for me to play this joke with. So 
I didn't realize that Charlie had left my, uh, he had left, he was nowhere near me. You know, he was on his way around to the water slide. I was sitting in the pool by myself, a little kid pool, and this little girl came past with her dad. And I started going, oh, isn't she a cutie? Oh, look at this one. Oh, wow, what a, she could be our girlfriend, blah, blah, blah. What a little pretty munchkin. Oh, yeah, la. And I thought, Char- I was about to look around. I thought Charlie would be there laughing, like, oh, dad, you're so silly. But I saw a look of shock on the mum's face of this little girl that was at the pool and and I sort of gave her a little friendly smile. She picked up her daughter and walked away. And I was like, oh, what's that about? And I went to look at Charlie and he wasn't there. And I thought, ah, I'll see what's just happened. You've got, to be, you've got to be very careful when you play games like this. Because if you're trying to hook your little boy up with a girlfriend, but your boy's not there and you're making comments like that, you're going to get yourself arrested real quick. And, uh, you know, I tried to approach the family to explain what had just happened. But every time I went to go to them, they, they sort of quickly left the... Uh, the premises or the the vicinity of where it was that I was going to, so it was a it was a very awkward situation to try and uh, to try and hook my boy up with a with a girl around his age, only to realise that the girl wasn't there. So, dad mistake one oh one. I'd like to formally apologise to the family to the uh, to the Trelgan, uh swimming pool. I, it's not something that was there was no ill intent, there was no seriousness to the claims. It was it was purely me trying to have a little bit of fun with my boy. So I asked for your your forgiveness. I asked. <laughs> Anyway, you know what I'm saying. It was a it was a sticky situation to be in. It was a sticky situation to be. I never felt like such a creep as well. Like, how do you get yourself out of that situation? Because I look at people. If I was at a swimming pool and someone started making comments about my boy like that, I'd be like, mate, like, who the hell do you think you are? This woman was obviously far too polite. She just left and was like, oh, I'll just I'll just get away, just get away from that guy. Not having not having my family in that swimming pool. Who knows what else is going on in there? And there was nothing. There was nothing. I went and got my boy and picked him up humbly, apologized to him, took him on the water slides. It's funny being a 35-year-old guy going on the water slides with your kids because, uh, you I, I, you know, I've realized how much I enjoy. I think I enjoy it as much as he does. You know, he was ready to go home and uh, my mum was down there just watching us, having a little bit of fun, taking some photos. And Charlie was like, I'm going to go. I just want to go home. He was getting upset, getting grizzly. I just said to mum, hey, you're right to look after him. I'm going to go down a few more times. She's like, Tice, they're a kid's water slide. I go, hey, you know, that's all an attitude. They're just short water slides. They're power water slides. She goes, they're a kid's water slide. It says kid's water slide on it. It, it actually doesn't say kid's water slide on it, but there's one in uh, in Ocean Grove just around the corner from where I live, and a few weeks ago, like, he's too young. Charlie's too young to go on it by himself, but but if I, um, you know, if I, if I jump on there with him, he has an absolute ball, so... I went up there with him and, uh, you know, we were going down together, having a laugh, having some fun. Then one guy came up to me, one of the lifesavers. He's like, hey, you're not to go on that. I was like, why is that, mate? And he, like, pointed with such fury at the sign that says if you're over 10, you can't go on. And I was like, that seems ridiculous. What if you're just a big, fat 10-year-old? He's like, hey, that's a bad attitude. You can't go on if you're over 10. I said, mate, look, I understand where you're coming from, but this sense of power that you have from this job has gone to your head. You could have just come up to me and said, mate, I'm so sorry to be this guy. But look, I had a 35-year-old guy go on this one day. There's a kid stuck in the middle. He went down due to the, the sheer force and power of his body weight. The kid never saw their fifth birthday or fourth. I can't remember the age they were as they started going down. I said, hey, mate, I fully understand what you're going through. It's a tough gig. You know, you're here to save lives. Apparently, I'm here to risk him. I'd like to apologize. But he didn't. He came at me like he was a... He just came at me with so much power that I thought, okay, well... I want to fight this guy. 
And it's hard because you've got to keep it cool. I'm not really outspoken. I'm not a real outspoken guy. But but if someone if someone starts to get a little bit of a power trip around me, that's the one thing that just rubs me up the wrong way. I go, all right, well, I can't I can't quite handle that. Hey, give me give me one second. I've got to plug my headphone back in. Sorry about that. I uh, I, I got to make sure this audio quality is coming at you loud and clear. And when the headphones come out. I'd only be assuming. So, so we're back. But anyway, so that was a, you know, you got to be careful at swimming pools as a, well, as a kid and as an adult. It turns out for not just safety reasons, but also, also just the way that you're presenting the the family unit. You can't be sitting in a pool by yourself making comments about, you know, kids that are your, your son's age and, and trying to hook them up because it sounds very awkward when there's no one else around. But hey, you live and learn is what they say. You live and learn, and what is what they say. That was the uh, that was the motto, or that was the the lesson I think I got out of Kanye's documentary Genius. Have you seen that? It's on Netflix this week, a three part trilogy. Such, man, such a good documentary. I got you get a new appreciation for Kanye because you just you hear his you hear his words, like you hear his raps, and you're like, oh man, this guy was just he was just lucky. You know how people say that? Oh man, he's just he's just born lucky. He just he just had what it took. You know, he just. Oh, I don't know. It's just so unfair that this guy just has... Like, there's obviously, from what I understand now, to be fair, I don't know a heap about the rap game. I can I can make... I've been to some slam poetry, but I don't think it's the same thing. I don't think it's the same thing as what Kanye's gone through with Jay-Z. I'm actually sure they're offended if you refer to what they're doing as, as slam poetry. That can't be a good thing. But this guy, he was he was born with a talent. He seemed to, have, he, he seemed to sort of love the game from when he was really young. But, uh, but man, he put in the work as well. Oh, my gosh, did he put in the work. From about the age of, I think he was, actually, I'm not 100% sure how old he was when he when he first started going. He was producing. I didn't know he was actually just producing tracks for, for big artists to rap on. And then and no one really took his ability to rap seriously. They, just, they all just thought he was a producer. And then when he started to try to establish himself as a rapper, it was... It was funny because this guy at this like I don't know if it's an overconfidence or if it's a slight like he talks about his bipolar and you know some of the struggles that he's gone through and and at times you forget you forget about the fact that he has bipolar and you just assume he's got this insane level of confidence which he does but he was going into like Rockefeller Studios as a producer and just putting on his tracks and rapping over it to the staff in there just just without them even asking to see it. And he was just going for it. And it was so, you know when you see those people who are, they're just so in the zone with what they know they're brilliant at that it's just amazing to watch? I love that. Like you see stand-up comedians sometimes get up on stage and just start telling jokes and you're like, man, okay, this this guy, this chick, is, they're, they're just cut out for this. They are just, this is what they were born to do. Or, or they could be a runner. Like I'm a distance running fan. I love watching Haley Gebra Celesti back in the day. You go, oh man. This little tiny Ethiopian was born to do this. It's a, it's incredible to watch. It's incredible to watch. And then, and then I don't know what it is, but it just it gets me all pumped up. Do you know that? Do you know what I'm talking about? You just see someone in the in the zone of of what they're really good at. Dusty Martin playing football. As much as I hate to use that example, you know Tyson Popplestone midway through his pop culture podcast, you go, oh, he's born to do this. <laughs> he's born to do this. Sorry about the hesitation at the end of that. It was just a, just a strange thing to say with much confidence because it looked very arrogant if you misunderstood the uh, the satirical nature of what it was that I was saying. But but man, like this guy, he was uh, and he kept getting. It was just a classic hero's journey story. He kept getting turned down, kept getting turned away, kept getting taken unseriously. Is that a word? 
Uh, people, they, they just didn't take him to be as good as what he thought he was. And then you get, like, how did this guy get the self-belief? And then it comes to a scene with his mum before he had really cracked it. And she's like, Kanye, what you got to understand is you you lay beats like like Michael Jordan shoots free throws. And he's like, yeah, ma, thanks, I forgot. She's like, Kanye, you're a genius. He's like, oh, man, I, thanks, ma, I know. She's like, you know that, don't you? And, uh, man, honestly, my favorite part of the whole documentary is probably just looking at his mum and how she treats him. I go, ah, okay. I want to be a dad like this chick is a mum. Like for, for my little boy or for my kids to grow up and, and just look at himself with that level of confidence. I don't want him to be – I much. I think I'd much rather him to be slightly arrogant than, than underconfident though. I think that's fair. A little bit of arrogance is – maybe not even arrogance. If someone can, can misinterpret or misunderstand my kids as being arrogant just because they're high in confidence, I'll take that as long as they're actually humble and we know that's true. But, but man, there's, like, there's so many great performers who are who – are, misinterpreted as arrogant, maybe even slightly arrogant. Muhammad Ali, Usain Bolt, uh, definitely Kanye West. Who else is there? Like any top performer. Uh, who's a footballer that fits into that category? Again, Dusty Martin for you Richmond fans out there. Sam Walsh for you Carlton fans out there. Just ignore those references if you're uh, an international right there. Just just use uh, Neymar. Neymar's are often confused. If you're coming at us from Europe... You appreciate your soccer or football. You like your football over there. Well, think of bloody Neymar. He's, I actually watched the first part of his documentary as well. And he's, uh, he's. I don't know if he's misconstrued as arrogant or he's just flat out arrogant. But either way, I like that. I like what they're bringing to the table. And, and Kanye is no exception. And and I, I feel like when you get a bit of an understanding of, of like the foundations of where it is that he come from, you start to go, oh, I understand why he has this self-belief. Because from day one, his mum keeps going, Kanye. You're the Michael Jordan of the rap game. <laughs> it's just awesome. Anyway, so if you haven't seen it, Genius is the uh, is the is the name of the documentary. Crazy story how it came about. So so the director of the film Cootie is uh, is his name. Cooties, I think they call. I think it's Cootie. He realized he realized early in Kanye's career that this guy was bringing something to the table. So he ended. Uh, whatever it was that he was pursuing of his own, just to go and film Kanye, just so he had the footage. And so there's like 20, there's 20 years of footage of Kanye just doing his thing behind the scenes. And man, I just, I, I've got such an appreciation for the hustle. I love watching the hustle. You know when people are just, they're so hungry for whatever it is that they're chasing and, and they're not just going down, not that there's anything wrong with just going down like the, the nine to five cent. Obviously, we, we all need a paycheck, but but when someone's got the freedom or the confidence or the ability or a combination of those things to go, all right, like that scene's not for me. I'm going to go, I'm going to walk away from the majority. I'm going to focus on what it is I want to bring to the table. And they do it. You go, oh, wow. It's inspiring to me. I, I love that. So Kanye's gone up a few notches in my book. I, uh, I'm going to go, I actually haven't listened to too much of his music since then. I only just finished it last night. So I'm pretty pumped to, to rewind a couple of Kanye's tracks and, and listen to it. And just to hear about his, uh, like his, the way his first album came about. I, lo- I love the guy. And he's had his struggles as well, which makes me appreciate him even more. Like he's, he's not just living some, uh, some breezy, super easy life, which, which I think we all know when we think about it. Like we know that regardless of how much money or how hot your wife or uh, you know whatever level of fame you get to, we, we know on a practical level that, that these people still go through stuff. But for whatever reason, in, in I guess like the hustle and bustle of chasing our dreams, we, we forget that that's true. And so Kanye's like, look, I got, I got everything you're pursuing. And, and still, I'm, uh, 
and still, uh, you know, I'm dealing with a few, a few, for lack of a better word, demons. I'm, I'm trying to get my way through these little, these little obstacles, and that yeah, was interesting, really interesting. So do yourself a favor, check that one out. Kanye's gone up. He's changed the way I do handshakes as well. No more, no more, Mister. Here you go and handshakes for me anymore. They're all, they're all going to be these. Every cool bloke on that documentary did it. Every cool bloke's doing these ones. Got your hand around your ear, open fingers, bring it around from the side, bang. I think the fact I'm analysing it so much proves that I'm probably not the right man. To, <laughs> probably not the right man to be doing those handshakes, but but whatever, fake it till you make it is is what they say. Anyway, yeah. So that was that was insightful. That was informative. It was it was pretty educational. I uh, man, speaking of educational, I had my eyes open this week. How's this for you? I realised I didn't realise. I heard a new study came out. Uh, revealing that the average man, I thought this was maybe less than, than what it would be. The average man spends 90 minutes to two hours watching porn every week. Every week. 90 minutes to two hours watching porn, which is, I I personally thought that wasn't as, I, I would have guessed higher. I thought, what, like, what would I have thought? I reckon, I reckon back in the day, I could have easily spent 30 minutes going down a porn rabbit hole because there was there was so much to see, and I, I I'm assuming that that there's there's still so much to see because it's a weird scene the porn scene as well. Now, does how so so this year it's 14 years since I've watched porn. 14, which is which is sort of crazy, and it, it sounds like a weird thing to brag about. I don't even mean to. I'm not I'm not trying to brag about it. I'm just simply saying that I made a decision 14 years ago that that's not. It's not the scene I wanted to go down, and <clears throat> that was partly for where I was in my life at the time. I'd started going to church and started to question uh, relationships a little bit more and how it was that I spent my energy and my time and my focus. And man, I reckon honestly, I was given two hours a week an easy run for its money because whenever my housemate was out, I was like, all right, there's plenty of storylines that I can get caught up in right now. <clears throat> and so I did. It was just like a, it was a cheap thrill really. And and I remember I got to a point where, you know, I started to started to like who's now my wife, Jessie, and, and started to talk to her about relationships and and and, and what they meant and, and you know, some of the some of the misinterpretations that a lot of people had around what a good relationship was. And I think it's interesting. Like I, I don't know if you guys think about this, uh, but the idea of a good relationship, I reckon for so many of us is is just to make sure that uh, at the get-go there's like a solid sex sexual relationship going on there like if you if you get on well in the sexual front then everything's going to be just fine but but i feel like that's something that could be worked on and i reckon for myself personally like porn just it completely threw out my expectations of what a sexual relationship was because porn's a weird thing you never get to a point in it and you're like all right that's enough you always gradually i don't know I, i feel like you're gradually just looking for a bit more of a thrill and when you get used to something that's you know at the start fairly explicit you go down that rabbit hole a little bit further before you know it that's tame you start to you start to increase the intensity of the google searches do you know what i mean and uh, i don't know if it's coming through google anymore but my old technique was just turn safe search off and and go down that rabbit hole but i'm not sure i'm not sure what people are doing these days but but it was interesting so 14 years and i was sort of just reflecting on why it was that i decided to to give that game up and for me i think as a start point, there's, there's probably three reasons. The first one, the first reason was the fact that I, I think it had just become an addiction for me. Not an addiction as much as just a bad habit. Like whenever there was time, whenever I had nothing else to do, it was like, all right, I could invest in creative things. I could invest in, you know, I could read a book. I could do something else. But but the dopamine hit that you get from just looking at a little bit of porn was, it's fairly intense. Like all you got to do is 
is is pay attention to the feeling that you get when you want to watch it. And you're like, oh, that's quite powerful. <laughs> like my brain's screaming for a little dopamine hit here that it hasn't had for a while. And and for me, it just started to become a little bit of a, oh man, like is this is this just a, I was calling it a bad habit. I don't know what you call it, but for me, it had just turned into a bad habit where, you know, the time that I was spending on it could have been used on, on more effective things, I thought, especially because I was trying to improve or increase how much I was reading and 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 things like meditation and I just wanted to I wanted to put my time and energy into things that you know I was a little more passionate about a little more interested in and and, and every time I I went to to porn world I felt as though those things were were lacking a, a little bit so it was a it was really exciting but but the second thing was I I also felt as though my expectations on what a sexual relationship was supposed to look like started to change a bit you know I would see I would see what these girls were doing on a on a you know on a video and be like oh my gosh so that's what sex is how awesome is that and uh, and then you come into a real life sexual relationship and, and and I know like I've spoken to so many guys we all have this experience and all of a sudden you're like oh what that's what that's not not everyone wants to do that what are you <laughs> what are you talking about and for me it was like a bit of a reality check I was like all right my expectations on on what actually goes down in the bedroom is is maybe a little bit out of whack. For most of us, but then, but then the, the the other thing was I actually I actually met a few people from the porn scene. I spoke to a couple of people who had who who dipped their toes in for for lack of a better term, and and I started to hear about it was never a, or very rarely was it a scene where people were passionate about getting into and just being the best porn star they could possibly be. It was always like, all right, well, my acting career hasn't quite taken off yet. I need a paycheck. Uh, I don't really want to work difficult hours. Maybe I could just do this, and a lot of them. A lot of well, I've got three three people in mind uh, that I know who have been in the scene. They're all like, "Yeah, look, it was something that was a, it was definitely just a phase, and not something that I was necessarily loving doing." And I thought, "Oh well, I always assumed that that the girls in these clips, maybe even the guys, but especially especially in my mind, the girls that are doing these things, just I just got the vibe that they weren't uh, they weren't fully enjoying it. Maybe I'm too much of an emotional guy, but I'd look at it and I'd start analysing: mm, Are they enjoying themselves really, <laughs> or is this just a bad act?" And so, uh, and so for me, fourteen years on, like any any addiction or bad habit, like the I guess the weakness, like the strength of that habit, it, it just diminishes the the further along you go. But for me now, it's not even a it's not even a, a a question. But but if you're one of those people, I guess I say that as an encouragement to you because I speak to a lot of guys as well where they go, ah, oh, you know, I spend too much time watching porn. I'm sure there's better things that I could be putting my time towards. It's true. But uh, but I think we overcomplicate it. It's just like it's just like quitting smoking. You got to wean your way down, create some consequences for yourself as well. Create a little, create a uh, you know, have a bet with your mate that if you watch porn in the next two months, you owe him five hundred bucks and sign a contract so they can keep you accountable. But uh, but hey, just venture into a little bit. Try a month without it. Try a month of. Uh, well, I'm not telling you what to do. Do what you want to do. But for me, if you uh, if you're trying to get away from it, that's what I did. Try a month without it. See how. Uh, you know, see see how your time is better spent, or if your time is better spent. See how you feel without it. There's not many people I meet who give it up and go, oh, I feel terrible for giving that up. I just really feel like something meaningful is missing from my life. <laughs> but do what you want to do. I mean, that turned into, it sounded like a little bit of a preach, but the truth is I say that because, uh, you know, the subject of porn is not something that we're super open about. And I think if we are open about it, a lot of us want to watch less of it than we do. So, you know, there's a it's a little bit of food for thought for you on the porn front, but... I mean, this isn't the pop culture porn podcast, so you you do what you got to do. But that's just uh, that's just my little take. That's my, a few little thoughts from me. I don't know. I'm sorry if I just embarrassed you with your wife in the car. 
Maybe she's cool with it. I remember I had a girlfriend years ago, and uh, this was this was actually about 15 years ago. She goes, uh, "I'm cool to watch porn with you, but never try and touch me while we do it, like while we watch it." I was like, "Ooh, that, that's a like." I go, "Why?" She's like, "Cause it's disgusting." I was like, "Interesting, very interesting," and probably a fair take. I thought probably a fair take. It was a uh... anyway. So I, I took I took that on. <laughs> Oh man, what else have I got here that I wanted to talk to you about? I had a I had a couple of notes written down on uh, on so I already told you about my I already told you about my my mum and you know uh, which is a weird segue coming from a porn scene. I wish I didn't segue into that. I quit porn. I've already told you about my mum. <laughs> I, I hope that doesn't get clipped and and taken out of place. Oh, oh that's another thing. All right, this is also a weird segue, but. We've just come from a screen time chat speaking about porn, but the other screen time thing that I wanted to talk to you about was uh, I used to judge so harshly and still do, to be fair. You know those parents you say, well, I don't know if I'm judging. I don't know if this is true because I, I feel like I understand it more now. But I used to see parents before my boy was born down at the uh, down at the cafe and they had their kid there. They were having, having drinks, having lunch with their family and friends or whoever it was they were with. I don't know the exact people that they were having lunch with. Could have just been distant friends. Could have been a high school reunion. But they were there and they had a kid and they had to try and keep that kid entertained. So they give the kid the iPad. And I was, two years ago, I was an asshole. I would look at that and I'd be like, what a disgusting parent. Learn to control your kid. And then my kid started throwing food and screaming. I was like, look at the iPad. <laughs> you love helicopters? You can watch helicopters. So we've got to be careful because we've started to slip into that world of, um, hey, let's just keep you occupied on the uh, on the computer because he's he's fallen in love with helicopters. Helicopters has turned out to be a big passion of his, and he woke up too early this morning. He woke up really early, and and as a result of him waking up early, he was so tired, he was so grumpy, so miserable, and as a result, me and Jesse had to put up with it. We had to put up with it, and uh, you know, it's just it's just easy to say because he because I go, hey Charlie, do you want to watch helicopters? And he's got this noise for it where he goes. Brr. And that just means 100% yes. Like, whatever you say to him is going to be solved. And, uh, I mean, sorry, whatever helicopter you show to him is going to solve the problem. And so we put it on, and there's peace and quiet. Me and Jesse smile. There's a little bit of tension off our backs. We feel a, a little bit happier with the fact that he's happier. And uh, and now I, I, realized, I realized last night that I reckon the last five nights he's been watching helicopter videos as he's going to bed. So I would like to formally apologize. Those still judge to a small degree, those of you who have a, a laptop in front of your kid, while they, <laughs> what do you do it? Do you do it? Like I, I, I so get how you can fall into the trap because it's so much. Like, peace and quiet is a is a is a rare commodity when your kid is going nuts. Actually, no, no. I would like to rephrase that. What do I want to say? Peace and quiet is a rare commodity when you have a kid. And so peace and quiet in, in any of its forms, whether it's through the background noise of a helicopter that's keeping him entertained is a, is a really important thing. So I don't know. I'm trying to navigate my way through that right now. I think it's easy to create bad, bad, bad habits as a parent. I've realized that. Like it's, it's so easy to create bad habits as a parent. I, um, because before you know it, like there you go. It's, it's just entrenched. It's just there you go. He watches helicopters for dinner. <laughs> Anyway, so I'm still trying to figure this out. I've got to figure this out before number two comes along because I can't just have a family of kids watching helicopter videos while me and Jesse sit with our friends because I know there's a person two years away from having a kid who doesn't understand how, how beautiful it is 
to have that peace and quiet. When you're single, peace and quiet is, you can just turn off your TV or your Netflix or whatever it is that provides the background noise, your Spotify, you know, your neighbor's cat, whatever it is, whatever it is that provides the background noise when you're single. It's, uh, it's so easy to get peace and quiet when you're there. But then, but then like those parents used to warn me, hey, Toss, take, make the most of your peace and quiet when you don't have kids because when you got them, it's, it's rare. I was like, shut up, man. Like, don't you love your kids? And now I say it. I say it to everyone I know, hey, make the most of that peace and quiet because before your, your kid's going to scream so loud. But, but the time goes so fast as well. So you, you sort of got to appreciate that. Oh, he's already, my boy's already 18 months. And things that used to do my head in, he used to wake up at 5.30 every morning, no longer happens. Touch wood, please, baby Jesus, let it continue. And that's just become like a little memory. It's become something that no longer really occurs in, in the family. So as annoying as it is, we just keep on swinging. We keep moving through. And, you know, I'm sure I'm sure him going ape shit at a dinner table when I'm trying to enjoy some peace and quiet with my friends is, is going to be a thing of the past fairly So I hope so. Because if he's doing that when he's 23, that's just going to be embarrassing at Christmas lunches, isn't it? Sitting there at Christmas lunch and Charlie's gone, gone ape shit because he wants to watch a helicopter video. I go, Charlie, mate, you're going to have to settle down, bud. Or you could just go into the bedroom and watch it. You know how to operate a computer now. It's not my responsibility to set this up in your... And why are you in a high chair? It's not even your high chair. It's, it's a disgrace that you're in it. Anyway, you got to learn to read the signs. That's what I'm learning to... I've never been good at reading the signs either. I remember uh, I remember reading the signs. I, I was bad at it. I, I, had a, I had a little date with a girl in in year 12 where I went to her house and and upon reflection she was very interested in me I was very interested in her as well but I went to her house her parents were away for a, a couple of days and, and she messaged me and said hey, you want to come around and I said yes I do thank you very much and we were just sitting on the couch watching there was Ernie Dingo I'll never forget it and she was snuggling up and you know uh rubbing my knee a little bit gradually getting a little bit higher I, I was doing the same but I was I was honestly just copying whatever she did because I didn't know whether the line between this is uh, this is acceptable behaviour and you're going to get arrested for you know overstepping a mark. <laughs> I didn't want to. I didn't want to end up at jail uh, just because I, I misread the signs. But man, upon reflection, she was putting it out there, and, and I just I just didn't quite I didn't quite register what was going on. So I just uh, I let it slip by. So it's important you got to learn to read the signs. You have to you have to read the environment that you're in because before you know it, you know to get to eleven o'clock and she's like, all right, well, I might go to bed if you you know. You want to get out of here? And I was like, "Oh, do you want me to say?" She's like, "Oh, that's that's all right." I, uh, you know, I thought I thought there was maybe a little bit more chemistry before you got here than what there really was. I was like, "What? You didn't feel the chemistry?" She's like, "I just didn't feel as though you're interested." I was like, "I know, I was, I am." He's like, "No, you don't have to say that." I was like, "No, please understand. I just re- I misread the cues. I misread the signs. I just didn't know how. Like, I I had an imaginary line drawn on your leg. I didn't know how high up I could go without getting arrested. I didn't say that, but thought it." And uh, I guess that's what comes with hindsight as well. I mean, I was a late developer. I was 17, 18 at this stage, and I, I didn't fully know what was acceptable, what was not. But but you live and learn, don't you? If the 35-year-old Tyson Popplestone was in 18-year-old Tyson Popplestone's body, there would have been some mischief. That's not completely true because I'm a married man right now, so it would have been highly inappropriate and, and possibly considered an extramarital affair, which I'm not interested in. All right, when you're married to a 10 only thing annoying about being married to a unicorn is the horn on her head, which is, you know, even though you're talking about a unicorn, seems like a, a pretty offensive thing to say, but a beautiful way to end a podcast. So, uh, so with that, ladies and gentlemen, I'd like to, I'd like to say au revoir. I hope you've enjoyed this week's podcast. I, I, I hope you're enjoying the, uh, the interviews as well. I'm trying to bring two at you every single week and, uh, 
Hate to see where that goes. But hey, much love to you. Much love to your family. And I'll, I'll see you all here same time next week. Mm-hmm.